says, Now Hiram, king of Tyre, sent his servants to Solomon because he heard that they had anointed him king in place of his father. For Hiram had always loved David. And then Solomon sent to Hiram, saying, You know how my father David could not build a house for the name of the Lord his God. Every creature is unique in the song that it sings, all exclaiming, indescribable, uncontainable. You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing, God. All powerful, Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. This chapter deals with Solomon's work in obtaining the material to build the temple. Yet David was so interested in this work that he had already gathered many of the supplies needed to build the temple. David was a mighty warrior against the enemies of Israel, but he did not regard every neighbor nation as an enemy. David wisely built alliances and friendships with the neighbor nations, and the benefit of this also came to Solomon, which supported the peace between nations and assisted in collecting materials for the building of the temple. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he begins chapter 5 in the book of 1 Kings. Well, tonight we're going to look at 1 Kings chapter 5. And Lord willing, we'll take communion as well. I'm looking forward to that. So let's open up to 1 Kings chapter 5. And it's a short chapter, so I thought we would read right through it. But before we do, just to look at what had happened uh, in Solomon's... uh, As Solomon is beginning his reign now, the Lord is uh, fulfilling his promise Uh, And we'll look at that a little bit later. The Lord is fulfilling his promises, not only to to Solomon himself, but uh, fulfilling the promise to us all, in addition to his father David. And I'll explain why that is. And it's a significant promise, honestly. Uh, And this promise, and, and again, we will touch on this later, is the fact that God would make a promise to David that through his seed that there would be one to sit on the throne of of his kingdom forever and ever. Now, we know right now that there's nobody sitting on the king uh, physically on the throne in Jerusalem, but there was a break, wasn't there? After the Babylonian captivity, there hasn't really been a king, in a sense, sitting on the throne in Jerusalem, but there is coming a king from the reign or from through the line of David, and we know him to be Jesus Christ. And so this promise that God had given to David back in 2 Samuel 7 is a very significant one because what it does is it ties together the past, uh, past prophecies, and specifically what I'm talking about is Genesis 49 verse 10, where remember when Jacob was on his deathbed that he began to prophesy over his 12 sons. And when he got to Judah, he He basically told him that the scepter would not depart from Judah, the right to rule, the king, 
the, 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 the line of kings would come through Judah and until Shiloh come. And he mentions the word Shiloh, which is the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And so that prophecy given all the way back in Genesis 49, verse 10, now fast forward several hundreds of years, and now you're here in the midst of... Um, you know, David, when he was ruling and reigning and God giving to him this promise that there would not cease to be one that would sit on his throne. So the Davidic covenant, if you understand it, it, it brings from the very beginning, it brings that, that those prophecies from the Old Testament, the early in the Old Testament in Genesis, brings them to the foreground and also projects further on to a yet future fulfillment, even from where we are right now. And ultimately what I'm speaking of is when Jesus returns and sets up his throne on the throne in Jerusalem in his millennial reign. A thousand year reign of Christ, yet future to us now. And we know that the church will be removed, and hopefully soon. Hopefully soon. Is anybody excited about the return of Christ for the church? Yeah, what kind of? Of course you are. We're excited. I can't wait. It's the, it's the blessed hope. It's what we've been looking forward to. It's Without the resurrection, do you understand? That we are just the most miserable people because we're gathering in this place, worshiping a God that if, this, if, the, if the dead do not rise, and we looked at this a couple Sundays ago, if he doesn't rise, then we're wasting our time. If he died but didn't rise from the grave, as the scriptures have foretold, then we are wasting our time. Then we might as well just join the party down in Times Square. Seriously. Because that's the best it's going to get. And even then it's not so great because you have to wake up the next morning. Right? So it's not so good anyway. But we've got pleasures forevermore waiting for us. And I'm so glad for that. So this Davidic covenant is central to um, the Bible. It's, it's an important doctrine. And if there's a, I would have you memorize that chapter in reference. 2 Samuel chapter 7, the Davidic covenant. And I hope that you read through it. We've already been through it a number of times, but I'm going to keep referring to it because my hope is to saturate your mind with that promise because that promise is pivotal, like I said, holding and bringing things from the past into the forefront and even going further into the future. And that, to me, is one of the most wonderful things about the Word of God is that it does, it ties it all together. And it does so because the author of that book is the one who is outside of our time domain. A God who can see all things. The Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the ending. However you want to frame it, God is Almighty God. There's no other God beside Him. There's no one that He knows of. And He alone gives power on loan, and all the powers that be, all the powers that be are ordained by him, they're ordered by him, nothing escapes his attention. Everything, he's got it under control, folks. And I don't know about you, but we Christians, and yes, I am digressing because I'm having a lot of fun with this right now, <laughs> and, and it's, it's really an awesome thing to think about, but you know, you and I, we have the greatest promise the promises of God are so rich to us. And one day it's all going to come to fruition. And, there, and I think I'm going to have to have surgery to remove the smile off my face after a billion years in glory. Because my, my smile is going to be so big. And yours is too. It's going to be wonderful. 
And be encouraged in it. It's okay to be excited. It's okay to look forward to what we have to look forward to. That's part of the gospel. It's good news. It's good news. And so this passage that we were looking at is important because now Solomon is coming into his kingdom, into his reign, and just as God had promised David, saying, Upon your throne there shall not you know, fail a son to sit on your throne. And your, your throne is an everlasting uh, dominion. He, he says that three, at least three times in that chapter. It is an everlasting thing. It's something that God is going to do, even though David had messed up, even though Solomon later in his life is going to mess up, even still, in spite of all that, God is going to make sure that his unconditional promise is fulfilled. And it's ultimately going to find its fulfillment in Jesus Christ. And I love that. And so that's why this is all important. So as we read tonight, as Solomon begins to prepare to build the temple, God is fulfilling his part of the deal. And it's all going as planned. It's all going as planned. And Solomon is... Is, is loving this. And, you know, there was never a time in Israel's history than this time, which I would call the golden era of Israel. Because there's no other time in Israel's history where they had peace on every side. When they didn't have enemies closing in on them. This 40-year period of Solomon's reign was so unique, and God saw to it that it would be. The next time that we're going to see this kind of thing happening it's a time period that's yet future to us in the millennial kingdom. It says that, that they would be able to rest under their own fig tree and under their own olive tree. There'd be peace from their enemies, and there would just be this moment. Uh, there weren't any wars. And that time is coming yet for you and I, but also for the, for the nation of Israel. And uh, I'm looking forward to that because Jesus will be sitting on the throne in Jerusalem and while it won't be a perfect utopia, meaning there's still going to be squabbles. We, we hear in Revelation how Gog and Magog are going to rise up at the end of that thousand-year reign. That's true. That's going to happen. But predominantly, we're going to have a time of peace unlike any time we've ever known. And it's going to be an extended peace. And any uprisings will be dealt with specifically and surgically and immediately. There will be no... Uh, going through uh, some kind of process, Jesus will act, and the Bible says that he will rule with a rod of iron. That means when anything comes up, he's going to squash it, and it's going to be immediate. Rebellion will be held at bay for the for first time ever in the existence of our human existence, in our experience. And so God is fulfilling his end of the bargain. And he put on David's heart to the blueprint, if you will, of the temple. And, and God told David, and we'll see this later, that he wasn't to build the temple, but his son would. And David's heart was, well, if I can't build this temple, because it was originally in his heart, that's originally what he wanted to do. Out of just thanksgiving for how all the things that God had done, you know, David was like, Lord, I want to I build a house for your name. And the Lord loved David for that. But he says, David, you're a man of war. You can't build a house for me, but your son will. And so David's heart is, well, if I can't build the house, then I'm going to amass everything. I'm going to get everything ready for my son. So when he's ready, when he's about 20 years old and he sits on that throne, 
Four years after he gets established, they're going to start building that temple, and everything's going to be ready for him. The wood's going to be there, the gold, the silver, the bronze, the, the, the stone. Everything is going to be ready, and the plans are already in place. I'm sure the guys are already spreading these things out, looking at them, and Oholiab and, um, you know, or some of these... Uh, Excuse me, I'm thinking back in the um, Old Testament, even further back in the Old Testament. But the real artisans, they're going to be looking at all this stuff. And when the time came, when the fullness of time came, it would come to be built. And it would be a great time in Israel. And so in chapter, uh, last time we were together, we looked at Solomon's administration and how Solomon had such a a great following and, and a great many people in his family and the people that he took care of, that he supplied. He had governors over 12 different regions in Israel, each one every month alternating. They would bring food to the king and his family, which was quite a bit of uh, a large number of people. And then it also spoke of Solomon's prosperity and his wisdom and how it says in verse 25 of chapter 4, and I love this, "...and Judah and Israel dwelt safely..." Each man under his vine and his fig tree, from Dan as far as to Beersheba. So that speaks of the north all the way down to the south, all the days of Solomon. And I would encourage you to underline chapter uh, or verse 25 of chapter 4, because that's a significant verse. Because again, you're not going to see that kind of thing happening again until the millennium, when Israel will be restored. We will be restored. We will be in our new bodies, in a new Jerusalem, or not, not in a new Jerusalem, not, not the new Jerusalem, but um, there will be a millennial temple built, and we will serve the Lord in it. And, uh, and so anyway, let's go ahead and look at chapter 5. I'm going to read through it, and then we're going to go back and take a look at it. It says, Now Hiram, king of Tyre, sent his servants to Solomon, because he heard that there had, they had anointed him king, in place of his father, for Hiram had always loved David. And then Solomon sent to Hiram, saying, You know how my father David could not build a house for the name of the Lord his God. You might want to underline that phrase, the Lord his God. And I'll explain why later. The Lord his God, because of the wars which were fought against him on every side, until the Lord put his foes under the soles of his feet. But now, underline this, the Lord my God underline that phrase, but now the Lord my God has given me rest on every side, Solomon says, and there is neither adversary, excuse me, nor evil occurrence. And and behold, I propose to build a house for the name of, underline this again, the Lord my God. As the Lord spoke to my father, David, saying, your son, whom I will set on your throne in your place, he shall build the house for my name. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, therefore, command that they cut down cedars for me from Lebanon, and my servants will be with your servants, and I will pay you wages for your servants according to whatever you say. For you know there is none among you, none among us, who has skill to cut timber like the Sidonians. And so it was when Hiram heard the words of Solomon that he rejoiced greatly and said, Blessed be the Lord this day. Blessed be Jehovah. That's literally what he said. Blessed be the Lord this day, for he has given David a wise son over this great people. And then Hiram sent to Solomon, saying, I've considered the message which you sent to me, and I will do all you desire concerning the cedar and the cypress logs. My servants shall bring them down from Lebanon to the sea, 
I will float them in rafts by sea to the place you indicate to me, and you will have them broken apart there. Then you can take them away, and you shall fulfill my desire by giving food for my household. And then Hiram gave Solomon cedar and cypress logs according to all his desire. And Solomon gave Hiram 20,000 cores of wheat as food for his household, and 20, uh, and 20 cores of pressed oil. And thus Solomon gave to Hiram year by year. And so the Lord gave Solomon wisdom. And as he had promised him, and there was peace between Hiram and Solomon, and the two of them made a great treaty together. And then King Solomon raised up a labor force out of all Israel, and the labor force was 30,000 men, and he sent them to Lebanon, 10,000 a month in shifts. And there were one month, they were, were one month in Lebanon and two months at home. Adoniram was in charge of the labor force. So Solomon had 70,000 who carried burdens and 80,000 who quarried stone in the mountains, beside 3,300 from the chiefs of Solomon's deputies who supervised the work and supervised the people who labored in the work, excuse me. And the king commanded them to quarry large stones, costly stones, and hewn stones to lay the foundation of the temple. And so Solomon's builders, Hiram's builders, and the Gebelites quarried them, and they prepared timber and stones to build the temple. And so this is a great, great project for many people to do. And you know, back then they didn't have cranes and lifts and all of these fancy gizmos that we have now. You know, they had to do things the hard way. (laughs) And they had to chisel stone. And uh, just to see how they quarried stone and limestone is really something. They, They would often take these uh, huge slabs of, uh, of limestone, and they would chisel. They would chisel a straight line where they wanted the crack to be, and then they would take wood, and they would wet the wood, and they would slide it in between at different points, and that, wet, that wood would ex, ex, um, expand as the water in it would cause it to expand, and what it would do is it would just crack that, that limestone in a perfect way. And these guys were so good at it. They say that the temple, the, 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 the limestone was so done so well that you couldn't even put a, you could put a piece of paper. You couldn't even put a piece of paper in between and it would stop. And, and for that kind of technology and for that kind of precision, these men were good at what they did. And God gave them wisdom and uh, all of these things. And so it's really wonderful to see how when he wants to do something, he gives men wisdom to do these things. Let's go back to verse 1. Notice uh, Hiram, king of Tyre, he sent his servants to Solomon because he heard that they had anointed him king in the place of his father, for Hiram had always loved David. Now Hiram had this title, and his title was king of the Sidonians. And thus he was king over the area of Tyre and Sidon. Uh, from about the 12th to the 7th centuries B.C., both of these cities, Tyre and Sidon, were, were governed together, and he governed them. And uh, Sidon was uh, much to the north of, uh, of uh, I'm sorry, Sidon was north, and Tyre was down on the, the, the southern part. And, and those two towns, if you remember, are located in what you and I would call modern-day Lebanon today. Um, Lebanon, yes. 
And, uh, and so uh, Tyre and, and, and Sidon in Lebanon. And so this is where Hiram governed. And, and that's where the cedar trees were. The, the best cedar trees in the world. And the cypress trees, they grew in abundance there, very healthy. They were world-renowned for their kind of, uh, this product of theirs. And so we, we would call that area Phoenicia, um, as well as modern-day Lebanon. But Hiram also helped David during his reign. When David first came into his kingdom, remember, it tells us, and you, might, you can write this in the margin of your Bible if you want, in, in verse 1. I'll be mentioning these scriptures and I hope you do write them down because they'll, they'll give you a lot of insight and uh, history as, as we go along. But in 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 11, Hiram, this king of Tyre and Sidon, he also did the same thing for David. Because these two men had such a great relationship. And I love the fact that Solomon, now coming into his reign, he keeps that relationship alive that his dad had had, had with Hiram. Because in 2 Samuel 5, verse 11, it says, Then Hiram, and this is back in the early part of David's reign, he said, Then Hiram, king of Tyre, sent messengers to David and cedar trees and carpenters and masons, and they built David a house. This was just Hiram's way of saying, Hey, welcome. And what a great thing to have a neighbor like that. You know, they're, they're, you know hopefully when, when new people come into your neighborhood, you know, it, it's an old thing that people used to do. But, you know, wouldn't it be nice for us to revive that again when you have a new neighbor come in? Most of the time in our neighborhoods, people don't even know who's, who's living there. Somebody moves up with a truck and then you never see them again. You know, they move in and you don't even see them come outside. But wouldn't it be great for us Christians to come over with a meal, come over with some cookies, a, a pie, a cake, and just say, hey, welcome to the neighborhood. My name is so-and-so, and you get to know them, you know. Wouldn't that be awesome to do? Think about that. Start doing that. Let's do it. Let's start, let's start here and do that. That would be awesome to do. But um, it reminds me of a proverb in chapter 16 of Proverbs, verse 7, one that we know very well. It says, When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Now, this doesn't mean that Hiram was an enemy of David, because he certainly wasn't. He was a friend. He was a friend, but he was also a Gentile king. And the Jews have never really had great dealings with Gentiles around them. Even today, all the Gentiles, most of them, want to destroy Israel. But to have a king like this, to be so friendly and so outgoing, and just so willing to bless David, and then to bless David's son Solomon is really remarkable. And I love that. I think, I think wouldn't the world be a better place if we did that? If other kings did that. So notice, then Solomon sent to Hiram saying, and this was probably sent either through a messenger or perhaps written down on some obstacon or some kind of substrate that they would use to write things down. Parchment, we don't really know. Or it could have been a, a messenger. But he, Solomon sends to Hiram and he says, You know that how David my father could not build a house for my name or for the name of the Lord his God. Because of the wars which were fought against him on every side until the Lord put his foes under the soles of his feet. And notice he says, the Lord his God. If you haven't underlined that, underline it now. Because I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Kings. 
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as our location, service times, information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, and information regarding Bread of Life Academy, our new school opening in the fall of 2023. Just click the school link at the top of the page for more information. Additionally, you may also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play Podcast or Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.